This week, if you were kind of paying attention to what was going on at Journey this week, uh, you've already met this person through a podcast and story that we shared on YouTube and Facebook. If you didn't, I encourage you to go do that as part of this No Offense series. Um, I, I had a sat down and had a great conversation uh, with our guest today about uh, racial injustice and the church and our culture and law enforcement, some other things that we were working through. Um, so I really encourage you to go back and watch that and engage. And if you, if you didn't know it happened, if you, this is the first you're hearing about it, please go back and do that. We couldn't make today about that, although we are going to be talking about uh, the no offense uh, in our series. But before I do that, I do want to introduce him. Um, he is the pastor of Grace Church Charlotte here in Hunters, South Huntersville, North Charlotte. Uh, they've, been, they've been together for a year as a church officially. He was meeting with his core group even for a couple of years, serving uh, the people in Charlotte before that. And uh, we want to make sure that we give him an amazing journey uh, welcome. Please welcome Pastor Theo Schaefer, please, as he comes up. He's an he's a author and a teacher and a speaker, and he works for the CMPD, and he saves kittens, and he, um, you know, and he, and, I mean, he just, he does all sorts of things. It's so just too, too long to list, all right? Uh, but I'm glad you're here, brother. You want me to turn it on? Hey, man. Wait, can you do it? All right. <laughs> he's Mr. Tech for his church, so he's got this covered. And Pastor Matt is too, oh. Turn me up. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Pastor Matt is my big bro. It's so awesome. All right. Uh, thank you for yeah, having man. me, big bro. Yeah, man. Journey fam, what up? How y'all doing? That's what's up. I like that. Hey, now y'all in the back didn't clap, and I'm just going to chalk that up to allergies. All right, so Journey fam, how y'all doing this morning? You good? Good. Good energy, good energy. All right, so my name is um, Theo Shea from the pastor of Grace Church Charlotte. Uh, shout out to my wife, Patrice, and our beautiful kids, our entire Grace Church team. First Lady Tracy, what up, Kim folk? And um, uh, so just glad to be here. Dang, this thing is giving me anxiety. So, like, okay, you want me to hide it? I'll hide it. I'll you, it as long here. as you can see it. Yeah, I'll put it over here. All right. So he doesn't want to see the time. It's okay. It's all right. <laughs> there is so you just much. get a pace for how this morning's gonna go. Listen, <laughs> listen. <laughs> to, oh my goodness, this is. I'm just so humble. Now, Pastor Matt gives out disclaimers, and I'm gonna give out some too. Okay. All right. So um, we're we're talking about um, no offense series, and this is powerful. Really, Christians and churches all over our country right now. We need to all be walking through um, a series like this. Um, I'm humbled at the opportunity that my big bro um, and Journey, you guys would um, deem me worthy enough to come and just share and disciple and walk through this thing with you. Um, it is something that I'll share in a second that I am, I feel very qualified to speak to, and it's a passion subject, and it's good that we walk through this thing together. Mm -hmm. As Pastor Matt is going to share with you this morning, and as I'll share, um, there, there are some things that we're still figuring out, but it's by the grace of God. Journey Church, I want you guys to know that um, my team back at Grace Church, we've been doing the mission um, from a grassroots level and impacting level, salvations, baptisms, marriages restored, or doing Kabbalah, Uganda, the last three years before we launched. But we would not be where we are and who we are without you, Journey Church. All of you today, everything that you have been doing is helping the kingdom advance at substantial levels. So thank you for being our big brother, big sister church, and that is the part where you clap. Thank you. Amen. Amen. You guys are a blessing. Um, so anytime you see Grace Church, you know, that's journey because we're a family. Yep. Amen. We're a family. Amen. Um, let me say this. So, God, like, I got the Holy Spirit speaking to me, and then I got, you know, me and you get together. It's stupid. Um, worship was amazing. Uh, that's why, like, time makes us, I'm wasting it now. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, and then I, like, a part of me. I want to sing with you. Yeah. I want to worship with Pastor Matt. Oh, my God. Just thank you, Jesus. I'm so excited. Um, so um, I am the chaplaincy supervisor mm -hmm. and the community liaison for the chief of police and for a CMPD. I oversee the entire chaplaincy division and department. And when things happen good, I'm in the middle of it. And unfortunately, when things happen bad, yeah. like we've seen since May, I'm in the middle of that as well. It's a God thing. I never planned on doing that or being there. But God has postured me there for such a time as this. I am adopted. How many of you ever seen the movie The Blind Side? Sandra Bullock, yep. Big Mike, that's my movie, except I play basketball. I shared that in my TED Talk. Um, I am adopted. I grew up in Mississippi from a predominantly um, uh, tough climate. Um, I got adopted in my early teenage years by my mom, my parents, my grandparents. They are white. My best friend and my grandfather, who I'm going to talk about in a little bit, Papa Bear, um, also. And so the Lord has taken me through a lot of experiences 
and, and it, I'm able to share and articulate and kind of go through things. And then I have my big brother, Pastor Matt, whom I love. And I crack these few jokes. I'm going to crack them now so we can get started. So we're talking about, you know, you know, no offense, right? Yeah. And that walking through offenses, being offended, and sometimes we offend others. And it's not an easy thing to kind of walk through, but by the transformation power of the gospel, we will do that today. Mm -hmm. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, let, my last disclaimer is I, I am offended. Yep. I have some offenses. Number one, no, you fixed it because you changed that shirt. I was offended I by the shirt you wore at the 9 o'clock service. <laughs> and I did that for you. I know, and I appreciate, look at that, God is reconciling, <laughs> hallelujah, happening here at Journey Church, praise the Lord, amen. Number two, I was offended because I'm an Alabama football fan. Roll Tide! Roll Tide! And everybody in here is offended now, amen, praise the Lord. And then my last offense was... That was... Oh, wow. where are you at? Who, who are you at? Who said that? Yeah. Lord, have mercy. We had him in the 9 o'clock. I thought we were done with him, but amen. Wow. Amen. Listen, that rivalry is for real. It is. I, I ain't it's got time, real. but listen, it's, 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 it's bad. We're going to help bad. him this morning. Amen. Because, you, you know, we got to walk through fences. My last offense, <laughs> my last offense, big bro, like, what's no, up? You told me. I'm going to tell you again in front of everybody yeah, else. Yeah, Because I'm messy. Um... What's up with Canadian bacon? I don't know. Like, why is it? Why does it got to be Canadian? Why did, uh, it's American ham. Why did that <laughs> Would you like some Canadian? That, it, that's not bacon. That is ham. And it's from down the street. <laughs> we got french fries, whatever that's about. That's why I believe in a good old-fashioned American hot dog. There America. You there you go. There you go. <laughs> you crazy. All right. <laughs> Well, I, I, what I did is I asked Theo to, to kick us off. We are yeah. going to talk about this, no offense, at some point. Um, but I'm going to give a quick recap, okay? If you were not here last week, just want you to know where we are and why, when I asked Pastor Theo to help me in this sermon, um, because, uh, you know, there is, a, there is an aspect to personal offense uh, that we all struggle with, that we all deal with, okay? And so the theme verse, the theme verse for, the, for this whole series, the heart behind the series, uh, comes from Romans 12, 8, says this. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you. I want you guys to read that little statement that's highlighted with me, all right? If it's possible, let's read it together. As far as it depends on you, okay? It's a big phrase there. Paul says, I want you to live at peace with everyone. Now, the problem with that in terms of personal offense, whether we are offending people or being offended, is that in our culture, it's doesn't, it doesn't even take a direct accusation or an injustice to offend us anymore. It can be by what someone believes. It can be by what somebody likes or dislikes. We were talking about a pastor and his whole church. You know, people boycotted and trying to cancel because he liked a post. He liked a specific post. Uh, there was another businessman who thanked the president, and because he thanked him, uh, for his support. Um, I mean, the, there was just a fence everywhere, and people wanted to cancel and boycott. And I mean, it's, it doesn't even, again, it doesn't even matter if it's a, a direct thing anymore. Offenses can happen just from the stances or beliefs that you have. And so last week, we talked about what that looks like in terms of um, uh, why, that, why that plays itself out and, and, and the paradox that we're experiencing as a, as a culture. So I'm going to really quickly uh, recap it before we jump into today. Um, the paradox we're experiencing is that if I offend, okay, so if I offend Theo, it's his responsibility right. to get over it, right? right. Yeah, be offended. <laughs> he's an actor too. All right, so if, if he's offended, don't, you got to break character. If he's offended, right yeah, okay. I, I still want him to be like, well, I'd, you know, get over it. It's right. your issue. Right. You know, don't be so sensitive, Theo. You know, like you should have known better. I'm Canadian, whatever. Um, you should have known better. But we put the responsibility on someone else if we are still the ones who offended. Same thing happens, though, that if we're offended, if, if Theo offends me, I want him to own the responsibility to make it right, to apologize, to reconcile, to admit he's wrong, to, to come at that. And so, uh, this is the paradox. It's two completely different things, but we have, in our culture, created the same result, which is it's not me, it's them. It's not my fault, it's their fault. It's not my issue, it's their issue. Does that make sense? So we cannot trust culture 
to help us live out what God's called us to live out, which means that if it's possible, as far as it depends on you and me, to live at peace with everyone. And so today, last week we talked about, and you have to go back and watch and listen, uh, we talked about how to not offend. Today I want to talk about what it looks like to get over an offense, okay, to, to move past an offense. And that's the phrase, you know, we're, we get over it. That's the phrase I want you to, to say out loud with me today. We get over it. Everybody say it. We get over it. Pastor Theo and I are not going to try to minimize the injustices you've faced or the offenses that you've had happen in your life. We don't want to minimize that. We're going to share our own personal stories. We don't want to minimize that. We, we just want to say that we also believe it by the power of Christ. We have the ability, we have the ability and responsibility to be able to look past it, to be able to move past it, to be able to get over it in order to get past those offenses that really I believe the enemy wants to use to, to tear us down. Um, and so I'm going to let you kick it off with the first kind of why and what we do and how we're going to move past these offenses. Amen. Yeah. Amen. So um, I'm starting off in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2. And uh, uh, just to add some uh, character and storytelling context, this is um, who we know as Apostle Paul, and he's talking to the church at Ephesus. Now, what you have to put in the back of your figurative coffee mug is that Paul used to be Saul who was persecuting Christians. Now, when we think of the connotation of Christianity and Christians today, we think they were like us. No, they weren't. Jesus' followers were like a cult. Like, being a Christian doesn't mean what church you go to or you believe in in a faith origin. It literally means to follow Christ. And there were sacrifices and consequences and costs to following him. Um, and it was like a cult. So Saul who would be known as Paul, he thought he was doing God's will by killing, chasing, and shutting down Christians, mm -hmm. right? So think about the, imp the impetus now is that he's been transformed and converted. Now he's developing best practices and new norms for this established church. This established church is going through real-life situations just like us. There is no playbook. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit is helping them to live out what they're dealing with in their day and time and in their culture. You got me? Okay. All right. So he, he kicks off in verse 4, teaching again. He says, listen, always be humble and gentle. Listen to his intentionality with his word usage. Be patient. Even when you hear that word patient, it, it makes you cringe. Be patient with each other. Not just your spouse. Everybody. 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 Watch this. Making allowance, giving people room to mess up or even hurt you, right? For each other's faults and offenses. Why? Because yeah. of your love. And that love wasn't disseminated from us to us. It was disseminated from Christ to us, right? Oh, man. Verse 3. Make Every effort. Everybody say every effort. Every effort. That means, Theo, you have to exercise all of the tools and, and intentions I've given you the grace to do to keep yourselves united in the spirit. It reminds me of uh, one of my coworkers during the time where I was about to go fist the cuffs with this dude. Okay, fist the cuffs, throwing hands. That street, like I know my wife is probably watching live. She doesn't give me no street cred because I got adopted as a teenager. <laughs> but I got street cred, y'all. Real talk. So we would throw them hands. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm ready to throw hands with this guy at work, at the police department. And so I tried to talk to him. I left a voicemail. I went to my supervisor, went to my sergeant, went to my LT, prayed for the dude. I went through my whole little Christian checklist like the rich young ruler. I did this, I did that, and did that. But I hear the Holy Spirit saying, do all, mm. every effort, even, even the ideas around it, to, to be united in the spirit, mm. binding, binding yourselves together with peace. The impetus around this phraseology is there's going to be an inconvenient, mm. intentional effort on your part to fight for unity, to strive for peace when the other party is expressing no interest in doing the same. 
and you're not doing it for your glory, but for his because of his love. And I really want you to feel the sting of the cost that that requires. So let me give you five little bullet points, little teachable discipleship points on how we fight for unity. Fighting, emphasizing, it's going to be inconvenient. Y'all with me? There's this laissez-faire type of Christianity movement that's happening in, in the body of Christ where we have this comfort, this, you know, this cool, calm, collective type of Christianity. No, we are to fight for this because the enemy is fighting us with the opposite. So here are five things, five little key discipleship tips. You ready? Thank you. Thank ready. You. I don't know what my fam over here was doing. Y'all was with me in the beginning. Like, what happened? We was cool. All right, here we go. Number one, the mindset of we over me. There is no I in team. We over me. Right? You ready to be offended? My Lakers just won the championship. Alabama came back and won last night. I don't know what North Carolina did, but they blew it, and they're going to fall down the rankings. It's we over me. It's a team effort. There is something that God has purposed for us that is bigger than me. And guess what? His purposing will outlive us. It's kingdom. It's all kingdom. And sometimes in our pain, in our frustration, in our offense, we become idiosyncratic very quickly. We, we isolate ourselves very quickly. We medicate off of putting ourselves on an island. But here, in walking through offenses, the first mindset I have to have is like, you know what? It's bigger than me. It's bigger than me. Number two, this is going to hurt. It's going to sting. Like, I feel it. Because as leaders, people think we're superhuman and we're not. We're usually the first partakers. Mm. Dying to my rights for revenge. Dying to my rights for revenge. I, I, I can surmise it like this. When you, you and I become a son that's gender neutral, a son of God, like the prodigal son, he takes his signet or his ring, he places it on our finger and gives us a robe. Right? That signifies our sonship mm-hmm. into the kingdom. I'm his. I'm royalty. I'm an heir. I'm his progeny. I'm his legacy. I'm his offspring. Right? I'm no longer who I used to be. The thing is, though, is that when you take on his ring, you relinquish your rights to revenge. Mm-hmm. You give up your justified rights to avenge yourself. Because the battle is, was never ours to begin with. Mm-hmm. You can't have sonship and have revenge. And there's a dying process that takes, takes place to that. Number three, it's bigger than me. Number one kind of um, uh, impacted that. Number four, humility is to relinquish your rights when you have the upper hand. All right, I need a small volunteer. Small. Okay. Small. My man right there. Come on. Come on. Come on down. Jude, come on up, Jude. Come on, Jude. Keep your mask on. Come Y'all on, give him a hand as he's coming. Give him a hand for Jude. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. All right, I'm ch- you, you know, you know, your parents taught you how to dap. Come here. Grab my hand. Boom. Street cred. Oh. Got that on TV? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So now, stand close to Pastor Matt. Pastor Matt, can you stand up? Yes, sir. Now, Jude, right? Jude, offend him. Punch him in the stomach. He ain't going to do nothing. <laughs> Listen, he ain't going to do nothing. Don't be scared, man. I'm with you. I got your back, boy. Hit him. Hit him. Hit the pastor. There you go. All right, be offended, Pastor Matt. Oh! <laughs> All right. Now, Pastor Matt is offended because you heard him, right? Now, humility isn't you humbling yourself, or I'm going to just be humble, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to chill. That's not humility, because he can kill you. He can squash you. <laughs> okay? That's not humility. In Christianity, we, we think of humility like it's this convenient way of humbling ourselves. That's not it. Humility is pastor having the physical advantage, the mental advantage, the emotional advantage, the upper hand, and the leverage. He can squash you like a bug, but he chooses not to. Humility is when you have all the advantage, all the resource, and all the leverage, and you relinquish that and die to it. Die to that revenge, and you let him walk away with forgiveness and grace. You're forgiven. You're forgiven. All right, buddy. (laughs)
But I don't forgive you. You should have hit him harder than that. But good job, Jude. I said I wouldn't stand up, but I did. You did. That's right, all right. But y'all see the picture? Yep. Right? It's, it's not your ability to say, well, I'm going to humble myself. No, you don't have any power or advantage. But when you do have power and advantage and you choose to esteem yourself low. Remember, Jesus Christ came in the form of a servant yep. who thought it not be robbery equal with God. Okay. All right. Number five, sacrifice for the body to thrive. You want me to do my example? Sure. I, mean, I don't okay. see why 9 o'clock should hear it. 9 o'clock should. Buggle up. <laughs> In order for the body of Christ to thrive, we all have to sacrifice. If everybody does a little bit, nobody has to do a lot. Hmm. The foot can't say to the ear, the nose can't say to the hand, and the hand can't get jealous. The hand can't get jealous of the foot because they're in a throne room called a stall in the, the baño. <laughs> and when the job is finished, the feet just get to get up and walk away. But the hand... Everybody's following you. Somebody got to do it. And no, it's not as yeah, you can say sexy as the feet who get to wear new shoes and stilettos, but it's an honorable thing. Yeah. Somebody has to make a sacrifice so the body can thrive. If the hand doesn't do its job, we won't make it out. But it's honorable because in heaven you have a reward, right? And no, your reward won't be instant here in the earth, but it is in kingdom. So to help you fight for unity, recapping the five things. Number one, develop the mindset that it's we over me. And that we are also people who don't look like you or vote like you. That's your family too. And sometimes family fight, right? Number two, dying to your rights to revenge. You got to give that up. There's a cost to following Christ. It's not Christianity if it didn't cost you something. Pick up your cross drag it with you to follow him. And not everybody can do it. Number three, it's bigger than me. Mm -hmm. Number four, humility is relinquishing your rights when you have the advantage. And number five, sacrificing so the body can thrive. And, and make, a, make a deeper point of that, God has already made you aware of areas you have idiosyncratically been called to sacrifice so the body can thrive. It's not just the pastors or the leaders, it's every individual in this room who subscribes to walking with Jesus Christ. We all have sacrifice. Amen? All right. And, and even when we, when we were talking about this idea of fighting for unity, Theo and I were talking this week, uh, a couple of the scriptures that came to mind, one that really, really came to mind, because uh, I was kind of diving into the, into the Proverbs, about just sort of the, the wisdom of Solomon in terms of the wisdom of what it looks like to get past offenses. Here's a couple of the verses that came up. One was, uh, this is Proverbs 17, 9. Love prospers when a fault, offenses are forgiven. Okay, love prospers. That's true. Love wins, right? Love prospers. Love wins when, the, when it's given. But dwelling on it separates close friends. And that's when I was, when you were talking about that fall, fight for unity, I was like, you know, the problem is that even in our culture, again, because we place blame and place fault, um, we, sometimes we just focus too much on it. We focus too much on the offense. I can't believe they'd say that. I can't believe they think that way. I can't believe they'd vote that way. I can't believe they are responding that way to the, to the pandemic. I can't, you know, it's so opposite of you. It's in contrast to you, as we talked about last week. But I was like, yeah, but, but love is what prospers when you look over that, when you get past that offense. Love prospers, right? If you, if you dwell on it, it's going to cause division. It's going to cause separation. The other one that I, I went to, which was Proverbs 19, which is kind of where I wanted to uh, stop for a moment today, is that a, a person's wisdom yields patience, right? And it's to his glory to overlook an offense. Now, we're all about the glory of God, okay? We are. We're all about the glory of God. And I don't usually kind of point out things uh, specifically when it's kind of like what's in it for me in terms of Scripture. But this is just one of those moments where even, even the, the wisest man on earth at that time is saying, look, there's, there's, there's wisdom that comes. When wisdom comes from, from God, it, it breeds this patience, and it's really to your benefit, right? It's to your and my benefit to overlook an offense, so my, my process of not just fighting for unity is part of why we get over it. We get over it because it's better for you. It's better for me. 
to get over it. We all know, listen, we all know what that person looks like. We all know what that person looks like who holds on to a grudge and they're unforgiving and they're allowing petty things to cause division and cause strife in their life. Their unforgiveness is toxic. Okay. Now, you may have that. You may think of when you were younger and like there were family members that you didn't talk to anymore because something happened, right? There were family friends that, that something happened at school or something happened and, and you left a church over, right? There are, there are these situations where fences rise up and, and, and we, because we dwell on them and we hold those grudges and we hold on to those things, we, we, we don't extend grace, we don't forgive, and we can't get past it. And yet it's better for you if you do, if you would, right? It's better for you. It's better for, it's for your glory that you can do that. We all get inspired by the, I gave the example this morning of Nelson Mandela who, you know, fights for injustice and, 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 and the apartheid that was happening in South Africa and ends up getting imprisoned for life, but he ends up only serving about a little less than 30 years before he's released and he actually brings change. You know, he doesn't come out and, you know, get power and then all of a sudden just crush all those who, who had it against him. No, he serves them. He serves the nation for the whole, for the better, so we're all in, we see that and we can be inspired by that, but it, for some reason it just doesn't happen. We don't have the wisdom in the moment to know that it's better for us to forgive that offense. It's better for us to look past. You know, it's, it's there. Everybody know what overlooking something looks like? It's right there facing you, but you choose to look past it. You choose to look around it, and it's for your glory to do that. Now, I did share this morning just personally that sometimes we can, we can do that or at least appear to do that, but it's really driven by our pride and our ego, right? You can look so far past it, you come around right, right back to it, you know? Like for me, I'll give you an example. For me, it was a time in my life where I'd experienced a real injustice in a, in a, in a workplace at a church. I had betrayal of a pastor and leaders uh, that I was serving and trying to help. And, um, and it was really awful. And, and, and just because of the nature of how it, how it worked out, you know, I chose, I, on the, on the, at least on the surface, I was choosing to take the high road. But listen, I was choosing to take the high road because I wanted to stick it to them. You all with me? Right? Like I chose to take the high road because I wanted them to feel even more guilty than they weren't feeling at all, but I wanted them to feel it and sense it. So you can even take this too far in terms of it being for your glory, but really it was still just as toxic to try to pretend to try to sit, take the high road and to keep those, uh, you know, try to do what was right even though I was so hurt and so bitter over the injustice that was done to me. And listen, they never apologized, right? They never said they were sorry. They never recognized the wrong. It was never reconciled, and it was still my responsibility to get past it. It was still my responsibility to eventually let that go so that it didn't just poison me because it's better for you, and it's better for me. Love is what wins. Love is what prospers when we forgive and we look over and look past those offenses. So for time's sake, to piggyback Pastor Matt's also point, I, w I want you just to make a note somewhere in your Bible app or in your phone or in your Bible, Romans 12, 17. Go back and read verse 17 to 21. Um, just the, the, the substratum of that text is from verse 17. Never pay back evil uh, for more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Let me give you three to four quick bullet points about the cost of following Christ, the cost of it. Okay? Um, one is, um, finish the scripture for me. Um, uh, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And the way we connote that in today's 21st century neo-Christianity <laughs> is that God is just going to give us a whole smorgasbord full of red lobster to sit there and eat in front of our enemies and embarrass them. It sounds good, television, but that wouldn't be like God. Instead, he gives us an abundance of resource so we might be equipped to feed them. Peter cuts off Malchus's ear mm -hmm. in protection of Christ, which is justifiable. And dude puts his ear, first of all, that's nasty, Jesus. <laughs> first, germs, bruh. Number two, what manner of love Mm -hmm. that Jesus in his 
betrayal is still. You see what I'm saying? Yep. Yep. Ah. I mean, this isn't applicable to you if you don't want to be a Christian. But for us, we got to suck it up. Here we go. Number two, he passes the tape before us in the presence of our enemies, mm. not to mock them, but to feed them. Mm. We will be tested, but God needs us, his redeemed, to redeem and not take revenge. That's why we have resource. Number three, in the moment of our wrath, we are temporarily insane. All my married people. <laughs> Your wife will get to that point of no return. There's like nothing you can do, right? We are insane. And what happens is our insanity blinds us from our prosperity. In the, in the moment of raging bliss, we forget our identity. Mm. We forget whose we are. We forget what we have in him, that we are the head and not the tail, the lender, not the borrower. We are above and not beneath. Mm. I'm going to give you this, this. Yeah. This right here, I brought this with me today. You know what this is? This is a letter from my incarcerated father. The month we moved to Charlotte to take over a church was the, the, the literally day one he committed murder. And for several months, my wife and I had to pastor this church and drive back and forth from Mississippi to Charlotte to go and take care of his affairs. Not, not just the trauma he put us through as kids before I got adopted with the violence and him threatening to kill us, like the, the things that I go to therapy about today. But he, he, he never apologized. Mm. He never took into account what he did to his own grandchildren. Mm. And I'm his namesake. And even now I'm sharing this with you and I almost cried in the 9 o'clock because this is his recent letter and I haven't found the emotional energy to email him back, just, I mean, uh, to write him back yet because I am walking through this offense as we are showing you how to do this. Truth is, is that some of you, just like me, am I, what I'm dealing with here, you are waiting on an apology you will never get. Yep. Truth is, is that the Lord did say vengeance is his. Mm -hmm. He did say he will repay. He just didn't say how long he was going to take. <laughs> he could have said, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, and you won't live to see it. Now you set my expectation. He's going to get my enemies when I'm dead and gone. <laughs> Great. He moves slow. I get it now. But if I'm hanging on to not forgiving my father mm. and not giving him the grace and me getting over it, right, I am forfeiting my rights to live in the abundant life he truly died for me to live in. Truth of the matter is, is that in times where you're holding on to that grudge, the person you haven't texted, the person you haven't called back, that family member or friend you haven't let go of yet with forgiveness, we usually have more than they have. Mm. And how easily we forget that we in Christ have more than the person we desire revenge from. Man, I, you know, for me, just thinking through that, that following Christ has a cost. And we struggle so much with the cost that it puts on us. Yeah. And it's nothing compared to the cost that he paid. Right? It's nothing compared to the cost that he paid. Um, and, and we're going to close with this last idea of, of why we get over it. It's because it's really all about grace. All right. There's a, there's a there's a bigger, not just bigger than us in terms of the body of Christ, but bigger than us in terms of eternal, eternal significance and importance. I want to read this um, parable and this um, this direct statement from Jesus Christ. Uh, Matthew records it for us, but um, I want to read this to you just just so you can feel it. I mean, again, I, this is one of those things that's very uncomfortable for us, but but we have to talk about the big eternal. Um, uh, significance and consequences of, of, of what we just sort of in our little world of holding of grudges and holding offenses and being offended 
that we're not paying attention to before we could even get to how it, we personally do it, how, we, how it affects you and me in terms of just our relationships. Let me read this for you. Uh, Peter came to him, this is in Matthew 18, 21, said, Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with with the servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors uh, was, was brought in who owed him millions of dollars and he couldn't pay. So his master ordered him to be sold along with his wife and his children and everything he owned to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and he begged him, please be patient with me. I, I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity, with compassion, it says, for him. And then he released him. And hear these words, he forgave his debt forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars and grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little bit more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But the creditor, this this guy, wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Listen, when some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and they told him everything that had happened. (laughs) Then the king called in the man who he had forgiven his debt and said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servants just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent that man to prison to be tortured until he paid his entire debt. And then Jesus pulls out of the parable and says directly, this is what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. The story is one thing, but even if you go to Matthew 6, he says it again. I mean, we're talking about We work hard to make this muddy, but Jesus is crystal clear. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive you of your sins. Now, again, we get over it because it's all about grace. But we don't, before we work on the you and me relationship part of of grace, we have got to land on the, on the significance of an eternal grace that we do not deserve, that he has forgiven us, that he has released us of our debt. And yet we, very much like this servant, will walk away from a service like this, from worship like this, from a, from a conviction like this, and we will go grab that person by the throat who's offended us, who's wrong, and we will demand they make, it, they make it right. We will put the responsibility on them. Guys, I just I, you need to hear this before Pastor Theo kind of closes us out with kind of how this can play out in ter- you know, with us each and each other. But God, I, I don't believe in limited atonement. I don't believe necessarily that this is an issue of losing your salvation. I do believe that you can't get past what Jesus has clearly said, which is that forgiveness is going to have an eternal consequence in your life. How are you going to stand before Jesus, okay, who has, who has forgiven and released you of your laundry list of sin, okay, your laundry list of selfishness and pride and anger and ego and manipulation and living your life as if it's all about you? You're going you're gonna to look at that person who's forgiven you And you're going to try to justify your petty little problems, your petty little offenses? You're going to try to justify why you're angry at a family member who votes different than you or but people in the pandemic who respond differently than you do? You're going to justify all the feelings and name-calling and the stuff we talked about last week? You're going to justify those things to him? You're going to justify all your posts to him who forgave you the debt? 
You have got to land there. You've got to wrestle with that because it is all about this unmerited favor of God, this grace of God, before we can move into how it looks between us. I want you to share the story of your... Will you do that? Yes. Okay. I know we got... We got they're not going anywhere. Okay. Go ahead. So I am, a, I am an African-American male who is a pastor adopted by a beautiful white family, my family, who works for the Popos. <laughs> this has been one of the hardest years ever. Not because it's been the hardest of life experiences for mm-hmm. me personally, but because of all the people I love and care about. My family on my biological side and my adopted side. My officers who run to the line of duty. Our people are tearing up and protesting and rioting and looting. And I have best friends who are officers who are mothers and who are working 12-hour shifts. For my pastor friends who figured out, well, Lord, we're all, we already have COVID. We already have yeah. civil unrest. How do we lead our people? So here's a story about this grace that Pastor Matt was discipling us about. My grandfather, whom I hope he sees this, he's my best friend. Call him Papa Bear. I have three other grandfathers, two of them biological that I didn't have a relationship with. One of them lived 10 minutes down the road. He just didn't want anything to do with us. And my Papa Mickey, God rest his soul, who passed away from Cleveland, Ohio. He was the best thing that happened to my family, but I didn't get a chance to grow up with him. My adopted grandfather, Papa Bear, Robert Giles is the only one I know who raised me. We're very close. We love Alabama. And he's, and this is how, you know, I crack jokes all the time about race because I'm, you know, I, I just, I'm just in it. He's super sarcastic. He is. Which is a white thing. I don't get it. You know, it's just <laughs> sarcastic. He would literally call me, at, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm 21, I'm going to work, like two to jobs. You up yet? You ladies, you on the street corner? I know, I'm at work. We have a very close bond. Granddad sends me videos and emails every now and then. That's how we catch up and talk, right? And, and I get to him when I can. Him and my granny are awesome. But Granddaddy sent me a video this time uh, during the riots. It was a Candace Owens video. At the time, I didn't know who she was or what she was about. I know she got paid this year. And uh, so I was like, okay, I'm going to check out Granddad's video. Mm-hmm. Pull it up. I watch it. And I become infuriated by the second. It wasn't because some of her ideals or concepts were wrong. Mm. It was the context. Some of her her main ideals in this video was that she doesn't support George Floyd. What I did not know at the time was my grandfather was hurting too. He was going through a thing as a proud American, a good husband, a great father, great grandfather, seeing his world being divided. It was even happening in his church community. Mm. You know, granddad is pushing late in his age. How does he process that? He wanted his grandson to know, because me and him always, always talk about things, politics, all that stuff. We're able to walk through it. He wanted me to know that, that, that Theo, all lives matter. Mm-hmm. And granddad, you're right. <laughs> he wanted me to know, Theo, George Floyd was not some superhero that they're marching about. I said, you know, Granddad, you're right. But what hurt was this idea right here, Granddad. Every husband in the room, when you're at work, and your wife sends you that text, we need to talk. Y'all know what that means, (laughs) don't you? And all day long, you're trying to work, you can't even work because you're running game filming your head, trying to figure out what you did. Was it my underwear this time? <laughs> what did I leave open? Like, what is it about? Right? Now, the, the caveat to this analogy is, one, is true. Number two, the one time out of a million fights me and my wife would have, I was right. Yeah. One time. I got her dead to rights. And when I get home, I got my arguments lined up, and I'm going to let her have it. And the plan in my head was... I'm going to be an active listener. I'm going to have the right posture. I'm going to lean in. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And at the right time, I would tell her the truth, what she needed to hear. And it would be over. She would apologize. She would put the kids to bed early. We go have some makeup time. 
<laughs> I was thinking about you. Yeah. So I get home, and Patrice is, she's a strong, beautiful black woman, just strong. Patrice is talking. She's letting me have it. And I'm just sitting there like, yeah. But I can't take it anymore. Y'all know how this man. I can't take it. My man box flies open. <laughs> my mouth follows. Next thing I know, I am going off. But I'm feeling, like, I'm feeling this, like, this high almost like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And get that and get that. And I'm waiting on her to apologize. Yeah. Wrong. Wrong. It's like throwing gasoline on the fire. <laughs> Patrice erupts in tears, not out of brokenness, but out of frustration, disappointment, and hopelessness. And she says these words that breaks my heart, that, that helps me paint this picture of my relationship with my granddad and why this thing is so important. And I want you to listen to me. She says, Theo, this is why I was afraid to talk to you in the first place, because I knew you would be so passionate about your own perspective that you wouldn't really hear me that you'd be so concerned about getting your point across that you would really hear mm -hmm. my heart. And Theo, what you don't understand is that I don't need you to fix it. I just need you to be present. Because I know what I'm saying is crazy, but I'm trying to figure it out too. Mm -hmm. But you were so selfish to not love me enough to sit in my stuff with me and listen. And what I was trying to portray to my grandfather over the phone was granddad. That's what it's like being black in America. That's what it's like being a minority. I say, yes, you're proud of your grandson. I am a community leader, a public figure, a pastor, and all these things. I said, but when my, when my twin brother and best friend gets pulled over by the police, we're not losing sleep. And despite all the things that I am, if I get pulled over, we're losing sleep. I said, all lives matter, yes. You're right about these truths, but right now is not the time. Because where I need my grandfather the most is to just be present and listen. The other side of that was, y'all, I had to grow and mature. And my mother, my beautiful mom, Nancy Emmons, walked me through the gospel to help me see mm. what we're teaching today. Mm. And she's like, baby, you got to give your granddad grace. and You got to forgive him because he's going through something too. I had to lay down my rights for revenge. I had to relinquish my leverage so I can be there for my grandfather too. I was offended. Mm. But we had to live this thing out. And now, I don't know if he's ever gonna watch this or not, but right now we're trying to make a surprise trip to come and see them for the holidays. I share that with you because I hope that within that story, mm. you see yourself you see me, you see Jesus, and you see yourself in the teachings that we've shared today. And that there is your brother or sister in Christ who doesn't look like you, and they might be offensive in how they vote. They might be offensive in who they want to elect. Mm. They might be offensive in what they believe. They might be offensive in how they dress, what music they listen to. It may be a neighbor across the street what, I, I say it like this, and I quoted Pastor Matt. Matt said this. He said, we have to do this because of what Christ has done for us and because of what we're called to do. Mm. That grace and that love, he gives us supernatural ability through his grace and love to be able to distribute the same grace and love to others that he gave to us. Why don't you pray for us, brother? I think it'd be a good place to, to lead us in prayer. Amen. Lord Jesus, mm. um, we are uh, your sons and daughters, your family, and uh, thank you for the grace you've given us to be who and where we are. Thank you for trusting us with this moment. And Lord God, I'll admit, God, this thing, to walk this out in you, it's, it's harder than it looks, Lord. I mean, how, how do we do what you did? How do we do what you would do? Mm. So God, in this moment, we're thanking you for your grace. 
for your strength, God, beyond our human capacity to forgive, to forgive someone who violated, hurt, or offended us years ago, months ago, weeks ago, days ago, hours ago, God. We, we thank you for the grace and the strength, God, to walk alongside our sister, our brother, whom we strongly disagree with. We thank you for the strength and the grace, God, to live out this gospel, to walk out this discipleship, to be the community that you have died for, blessed, anointed, and called us to be. Mm. Lord God, Paul declared in Romans, God, that the earnest expectation of the creature is waiting for the revealing of the sons of God. Mm. Lord, the world and our society is waiting on someone to model what love and grace looks like. Mm. And God, I hear your heart echo through the scriptures that if your people who are called by your name would yes. humble themselves and pray yes. and turn from our selfish ways, then, God, you would hear from heaven, forgive us of our offenses and heal our land. And, God, we need healing like never before. Yes. God, I pray for my family here at Journey, for my family at Grace, for my family who is watching and listening online, that you would turn our hearts again back towards the cross. And God, that we would, we would, in your strength, in your grace, in your love, pick up our crosses again, deny ourselves and follow you, that others would be saved, that our families would be reconciled and restored, that marriages would be mended, that broken mm. families would be reconciled, mm. God, that ministries, God, would be sewn back together. Yes. Oh, God, so that revival can take place yes. in this day and time. God, you called us to it. Yes. We thank you for that grace and that strength. Thank you for walking alongside us mm. and giving to us, God, what we don't deserve so we can give unto others the same. Because of what you've done for us and because of what you've called us to do, Father, we celebrate you. We praise you. We give your name the honor and the glory. Mm. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.